2: on News Radio 680 WPTF.
1: And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
2: And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
3: And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour.
1: Well, let's take a call, Linda. Uh, I think we've got Andy on hold. Andy, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you this evening?
4: Thanks for taking my call. And I enjoy your show. I learn a lot each week that I listen. Well, thank Uh, you. Question is this, um, the employer that I'm working for right now, I'm in my mid-40s, All right. um, and I've always been a good 401k saver, I always put 6 to 7%, sometimes have my employer match that dollar for dollar, sometimes half of it. So right now, my employer is matching 50 cents out of every dollar, and I'm putting 7% of my salary in. My question is this, is that this employer, does? you do not become fully vested until working four years. For this company. Okay. Um, It's a contract company, and the likelihood of me working four years for this particular employer is very slim. Very slim. As Mm -hmm. a matter of fact, I can almost guarantee that I won't be there for four years. So my question is this. In lieu of using their limited selections available and making contributions on my own to my 401k, and then obviously I'd get my money back, but I wouldn't get anything that they contribute unless I'm there for the time allotted, um, is there a better option for me to maybe just put money into a self-directed IRA instead of their 401k and increase my options?
1: Well, it may be, depending on your numbers. Tell me a little bit about your numbers, Andy. How much do you make? About one hundred and five. dollars So $105,000 income. Is your wife employed? No. Okay, so the family, you do, are you married? Yes. Okay. Children at home? Two. Okay. Uh, $105,000 income. Have any idea what your expenses are running?
4: Uh, I would say on a monthly basis, we're probably looking at about uh, three thousand.
1: All right, so that's thirty-six thousand a year. Does that cover all your expenses, or you think the non-monthly expenses, like vacation and travel and clothing, would bump that up high, above thirty-six thousand?
4: Bump it up above that, yeah.
1: All right, so about how much more should we throw in there?
4: Uh, maybe another eight hundred a month.
1: Well, you wouldn't do it monthly. The non-monthly stuff.
4: Oh, five thousand a year, let's say. All
1: right. So thirty-six thousand and five forty-one thousand. Okay, so we'll call it forty-five thousand. So if we have forty-five thousand going out and one hundred and five thousand coming in, we've got a sixty thousand dollar surplus before taxes. What have you accumulated so far in your four hundred k investments?
4: Uh, thus far, just under two hundred. It was a lot more, but unfortunately, it took a little bit of a dive, like a lot of other things.
1: And what about non-retirement investments?
4: Uh, just got a rainy day fund of about 30.
1: Okay. Well, here's the story. First of all, uh, you're, you're, you're wise to realize that what you put into a 401k is your own money, and you're always vested in that. Mm-hmm. And normally, in a traditional 401k, the matching portion is always your portion, also. However, what you're telling me is that there is a vesting schedule, and they're calling it a type of a profit-sharing plan, and you don't qualify for that match unless you're there for four years.
4: That's correct. So they match 50 cents out of every dollar right now, but I don't get a penny of it unless I'm there for 48 months.
1: So, what, so that means that all of your contributions at this point, knowing that you're not going to be there for four years, all of your contributions have only one benefit, and that's reducing your taxes,
3: Go ahead, get started. Give us a call during the week at Lewis Financial Management. Make an appointment to sit down face-to-face and discuss your, your situation. The number at our office during the week is 919 872 That's 919 872
1: Anything other than that is wasted or is gone. So the choices then of where they, the money can be invested are is the real issue. And what you're telling me is that you don't really like a lot of the choices that are there.
4: Well, I think, uh, you know, in my former life, I did some, um, you know, very, I did, some I was in financial services. So I know I have a working knowledge of the marketplace and I'm not somebody who just plays the market or any of that kind of stuff. But uh, I do see my time horizon. I do understand how to read a financial statement. I do understand the market, the mutual fund marketplace, but the mutual fund options that they have available to me, some very high expense ratios, some very high 12 b one fees, and I'm not really attracted to them at all, quite frankly.
1: The problem that I see with your financial picture right now is that you have virtually overfunded your qualified portion of your capital base and underfunded your non-qualified portion. In other words, as you go through life, and you're right at that crucial stage where you're in this decade, the 40 to 50, the 40s, that decade there of your of your life planning, when this is the, in many people's cases, this is the real accumulation decade. Yep. So if you do it well, and I have to say pretty much every one of our clients in our office, were always... Uh, targeting that they do it well so that they're able to achieve financial independence at an age earlier than 59 and a half. And that, fi- w- that 59 and a half, as you know, is a crucial issue because then, uh, after then, you can start drawing from your retirement accounts and not have to pay that extra 10% tax.
4: And I would and i'm 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 very keenly aware of that, uh, especially in light of the fact that my investments need to be timely because I have virtually no money put aside for my children's college education, which is in sore need of funding with an eleven and a two year old and uh, I'm just concerned about. How am I going to do those things? And I know I, need, I probably need to come in and make a visit for you, but I guess the, the short-term question is, though, is that do I have, what options do I have outside of putting money in a 401k to realize a tax benefit today?
1: What I'm trying to explain to you is you're going down the wrong road. You don't want to be moving down the tax reduction road. You're letting the tax tail wag the dog, and it's going to bite you on the uh, on the other end. In other words... If you're able to achieve financial independence before age 59 and a half, and that would be my goal for you, then you're going to want to access both of those portfolios or one of those portfolios to support yourself. And right now, you've got virtually nothing outside of retirement funding in a portfolio. So every move you make should be... Should be designed to accumulate outside of an IRA, outside of a four hundred and one k, outside of any constraints. Think of it this way: if your living expenses are forty five thousand dollars, forty five thousand divided by. Four. See, All what's right.
4: So to me is that you put those numbers out there like my one hundred and five income, but that's before taxes. I know. Uh,
1: yeah. And if, and I and I threw in there eighteen thousand for taxes and off your sixty thousand dollar bonus. And so that's going to leave you uh, one, five, it's another $42,000 after taxes available to you. All right. So it doesn't matter what the number is. If you come into the office, we'll actually boil it down and get the real number. But my point is, whatever that surplus is, if it is 42000 okay, it needs to be funneled into investments outside of any retirement constraints.
3: If you'd like further information, call us at 919-872-7000. Or go to our website, dougandlinda.com.
1: That's dougandlinda.com. Picture it this way. If indeed you're able to accumulate a million dollars before you are 59 and a half years old, then you're going to want to start drawing from that. Well, if you have two pots of money to draw from, and one of them is costing double tax versus the first one, or twice as much as the first one, you're going to say, oh, why don't I draw from the first one? Mm. Most people get really sidewinded here, side-smacked here, by thinking, wow, my 401k is really helping me. My IRA is helping me. No, it's not helping you. That's not a free gift from the IRS. That's a deferral. Deferred. They're loaning it to you, and they're going to come and get you. They want that money back at some point. But if you're funding something outside of the IRA, okay. then that money is yours. So then if you draw... 4% a year out of a personal portfolio, which is non-qualified. Now, the tax on that, it, part of it's tax-free because it's, it's already been taxed. Part of it's capital gain, and part of it might be ordinary income. So the blending of those three might be, uh, who knows, it's going to be maybe one-half what it will be if you're drawing from the 401k portfolio, which you rolled over into an IRA at that time. Actually, when you whenever you leave employment, that 200000 can be rolled into an IRA, but my point is, uh, knowing that, that you're moving on a, on, a, on a very aggressive, and I commend you because you're able to do it, but do it right. Don't, don't Don't leave yourself wide open to be hit with the, gee, why didn't I think this thing through? Why was I funding my 401k so heavily on my IRA, and now I need to be drawing from it? It's costing me twice as much taxes if I'd done it the other way. Why didn't I call you five years
2: ago? You know, Andy, what we usually find is uh, the typical person that comes in, they do exactly what you've been doing. Very common. They, They are so diligent about working and accumulating, but it's all in retirement. So then their portfolios are lopsided.
1: We have a classic case of a client came to me about four years ago. He'd worked for about 30-some years for IBM. He'd accumulated a really nice portfolio in his 401k. I think it was over a million dollars. And lo and behold, now we're wrestling with this very issue that everything that he kind of, that needs to come out for to support him is being taxed so heavily because what he'd accumulated outside was so small. Wow. So uh, you've got time, though. You're only in your 40s. You're only in your 40s. Well, it sounds like I need to come see you guys. Yeah, Come to well, see us. Great. Look us up. I don't know if you've seen our website. Our website's Doug and Linda. That's Dougandlinda.com. Uh go to Dougandlinda.com. You can have a, a a a view of what we do. Call the office and Linda will schedule an appointment to meet with me.
4: Is that different from the LFM Advisor website? Yeah, it, that's it. It's uh, the, the same, same one. Thing. We just made it insane. we just
1: grabbed a new uh, a new people had a hard time hearing LFMAdvisor.com. dot but the uh, the video is still on the on the dot uh, The old radio shows, everything is still on there. The video is uh, a little more highlighted.
4: Wow. Well, well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me tonight. I do appreciate that, and I do look forward to getting in touch with y'all. Great. All
1: Looking right. forward Thank to you meeting so Andy. Thank for you,
2: Andy. Thanks for calling, Andy. You have bye a great week. Bye. If you're one of those folks that's been procrastinating and you would like to do something about your financial planning, you can call us at Lewis Financial Management in Raleigh. Our number is nine one nine. Eight seven two seven thousand. That is eight seven two seven thousand USA seven thousand. I think a lot of folks uh, have had some consideration whether it, it be an event in their life, uh, such as receiving inheritance or having um, you know a big bonus at the end of the year that they've got to invest some money, make some decisions. Others um, you know, are trying to assist parents, et cetera, or just the feeling that I am going to do financial planning. It's I am going to do it.
1: That's smart because you're one year less that you have in front of you and one year more behind you. So the beginning point is to adjust your approach. You know, a lot of times people who struggle with money feel like they're getting nowhere because they don't have enough money. Well, that might be the case if they've been out of a job, but oftentimes it's just simply that they've been bumbling along, and that's the problem. They try to pay the bills when they arrive. They spend time when they think that they should be making a purchase or they're spending stuff when they they just bumble. And then money never seems to be stretched out far enough, even though they think they're being frugal. And you know, Lynn, that is the case, even with the very affluent who come to see us, as well as the ones with small paychecks.
2: Exactly. It's how you spend your money. So you do need to adjust your approach. There are some folks, I know some of our listeners, that they don't allow themselves, uh, well, they're, they're paralyzed, but, but adjust your approach and move forward. The, so what, what do you recommend, Doug? Yeah,
1: I was going to say what I recommend is to get a handle on your income and expenses, or what I like to call inflow and outflow. And the biggest problem is... How to get a handle on your outflow. Now, what we do in our office, we like to have the clients categorize their expenses into two broad categories. And what are those? The first are the recurring monthly expenses. We call them RMEs, recurring monthly expenses. That's what you're doing every month. It's your mortgage payment, of course. It's your utility bill, of course. But it's also how many times you go out for dinner during a month, on an average, and you're filling up the car, the gas. Your your daily lifestyle, what it is. That's your recurring monthly Tuition, expenses,
2: et cetera.
1: Mm, tuition, you well, don't do that every pay, month. Well, I mean, no, like no, if no, your no, kids no.
2: were in grade school or something.
1: Maybe private school, yeah. Private school. Okay, all right. But I'm talking about you. In most folks, there's the re- recurring monthly expenses, and these are the things that just have to happen and so forth. If
3: you hear something tonight that sounds like your situation... Call us, set up an appointment. We can help you. 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000.
1: Once we get the RMEs in place, then we come to the discretionaries. Now, discretionaries are things that don't happen every month. They pop up and pop down or may never come up in everything. For example. They, they're things that you want, right? They are things you want, such as a vacation. Or gifts. Or gifts or clothing, when we separate these two categories, the discretionaries and the recurring monthlies, then we're able to go ahead and say, all right, I'm going to get a new approach. I'm going to go ahead. I know what my income is. It comes in on a regular monthly basis. My recurring monthly outflows are going to be subtracted, and at least 20% of my inflows is my target that is going to go into an automatic investment plan that is going to be for me.
2: Well, Doug, what is another thing that folks need to do?
1: Well, once they've set up this matter of pay yourself first, then I'm targeting 20% of everything coming in by subtracting all of my recurring monthly outflows from my recurring monthly inflows. Then that 20%, as best we can do it, needs to either go into 401k plans, different retirement plans, and then the whatever uh, doesn't go there to make up the rest of the 20%, it goes into after-tax, just plain accumulation investments. But this needs to be the target. And once it's in place you have it happen automatically, then the second thing is don't fool yourself.
3: This is Deborah Lewis of Lewis Financial Management. Call us at 919-872-7000 to set up an appointment to speak about your situation. 919-872-7000.
1: If you start cheating on the amounts, you're going to be cruel to yourself over the long term because setting up a cycle in which you're, Always feeling like you're sinking deeper into debt is what the result is. If you have no emergency savings and the car needs tires, what are you going to do? Whip out your credit card then and then struggle with higher charges than those that might be already, you know, it's coming at you. But if you've been accumulating on a regular basis, you're prepared for it. And a lot of people, unfortunately, Linda, say, as far as retirement, I'm going to save later. I'm going to save later, but later never seems to arrive. And lo and behold, the closer you get to Social Security, people start to panic and living on an average $1,200 Social Security check a month is not pleasant. And guess what? Getting that second job when you're 70 years old is not very easy. So second thing is after you get a new approach, don't fool yourself. Don't cheat.
2: So, Doug. Can you give our listeners an example of, for example, if you wanted to provide 25000 a year for retirement living expenses, how much will you need to have accumulated as an asset base to provide that income?
1: Yeah, that's a very good way to approach it. Because if you think your need is going to be about 25000 a year coming off of an investment portfolio... Then that says you're going to probably need to accumulate about a half million dollars. You need to accumulate about $500,000 in the combined 401k and other in, in investments to be able to draw 5% a year off of that. And then that, that gives you a target to watch yourself go for. But you know, if you start at 25 years old, you know, even saving $25 a week can get you there, according to some of the studies I've seen, just using simple assumptions. Slow so it's not and yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> that hard. It's setting up the new approach. Let's get it done. And then, yeah. of course, the most important thing is get it done, make it happen. You know, setting up a goal and saying, I'm going to do it is a, a recipe for a failure if you just don't get it done. So set an appointment with a certified financial planner who is fee based. One who charges you by the hour to give you advice and help you get it set up and everything, not trying to sell you something. And then it's in place. Then it's in place. It's happening. And think about what questions or issues are in your world
2: that you would like an advisor like Doug uh, or whoever you may be using as your advisor, a certified financial planner, to assist you with addressing your financial plan. Planning issues. And if you'd like to call us in Raleigh at Lewis Financial Management, our number is 919 872 7000. That's USA 7000.
1: Hey, Barry, this is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner. How can I help you this evening? Hey,
5: Doug. Um, I do have, I was interested in the 401k information that you gave and the double taxing, and I do have a Roth IRA that I have been putting money into. I there's been doom and gloom on the horizon. I've been putting more money into just regular savings, and not in the Roth IRA in case we, you know, end up in a jobless situation. Uh huh. So what? But what other things other than a Roth IRA would take your pre uh, your uh your money that's already taxed and saving it in a way for retirement?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, how old are you, Barry? Forty-five. Okay, right in the same age group as Andy and everything. Right. The, the 40s, right. you know, and, and I was, I was going to mention this, so I'm glad that you told me you're in your 40s because I was going to talk to Linda about this on the air a few seconds ago, that life is perceived when you're a financial planner. Life is perceived in decades. We look at clients who are in their 30s. We look at them in their forties. We look at them in their fifties, in their sixties, in their seventies, and in their eighties. And we have clients at our office in every one of those age decades. But the forties are the accumulation decade. Very often, as you're seeing that big five zero come down the road, you realize, gee, uh, I got a one time shot in life, and this is the year. This is the decade to max it out. Okay, my point in speaking to Andy earlier in the show was to let him know. Never let the tax tail wag the dog. Yeah. Don't be driven by tax incentives. In 1986, there was a tax law that changed everything. It was the Tax Reform Act of 1986. And from that point on, we had no longer tax shelters generally. We had tax deferrals. And that's a that's a different story. So if you are in that age group now, then you want to be as... As, as I pointed out earlier, you want to be accumulating outside of retirement plans. Now, nothing wrong with the four with the uh, with the Roth IRA because uh, you can go ahead and put money there, and then all of that accumulation, all of that uh, growth, of course, is going to be able to come out tax free. But again, that's a tax driven motive, and so I don't like letting that one be the first story. I like that being the last story. Now, the question then comes, as we're accumulating on a monthly basis, how much are you able, what's the maximum that you can put aside monthly? Monthly? Yep.
5: Uh, probably about
1: uh, 700 or so. Okay. $700.
5: As far as, far as du- putting it directly in savings and letting it stay there.
1: Well, I don't want it in savings, but what I want to know is, if I go ahead and take your income, what's your income?
5: 80000 uh,
1: 80000 80, income. Your wife working or not? What's her income? Uh,
5: You're going know, to put me on the spot here. Probably one hundred
1: and five. One hundred and five. So one hundred eighty-five thousand combined income. Uh, what are your living expenses? Uh,
5: not too bad. Probably about uh, thirty-three
1: thousand
5: 3, to thirty-five hundred a month. All right, thirty-five. We, two, we do
1: have two houses. All right. I don't like that, but anyway. Oh, so we got thirty-five hundred a month. There's forty-two thousand. What about the non-monthly stuff? Vacations, travel, clothing, gifts, on an annual basis. How much more do you spend?
5: Uh, you know, I don't think I don't think we think of it that way.
1: Okay, we, we well,
5: want to start. We just kind of do what we want to do.
1: Yeah, we'll yeah. see. The problem. Yeah, yeah, but is the, the problem. The problem. We enjoy yeah. life. Yeah, but you see, that's the big problem. That way, you're going to hit the 50s and you're going to say, why did I do it? This is stupid. I've been spending everything because if you're making $185,000 a year and you're only able to put aside 700 bucks a month. Oh, it's... no,
5: no, no. I'm sorry. That is just me. My wife is probably putting away about another 1200
1: Okay. Well, let me see. When are you all going to get divorced now? What is that? <laughs> well, you're telling me she does this and you I mean, you know, are, are are the two of y'all uh two separate money buckets and you spend differently and you're gonna retire differently? That's not that's not life. Uh,
5: actually, we we are firm believers in separate
1: accounts. Well, you may be firm believers in separate accounts, but how about on vacations? y'all take separate vacations too? This is Deborah Lewis.
3: Our number at the office is nine one nine.
1: 9-1-9-8-7-2-7-thousand.
5: No, that, that,
1: <laughs> I mean I hope you don't go to separate restaurants too for you to eat dinner and everything. No, vacations come out of my pocket. Now, forget where it comes from. You're you're missing my point. My point is yeah. He's my point teasing you now, my, Barry. Do you file a joint tax return or a single tax return? Joint. Joint. You see, my point is you're telling the IRS we are just one entity. You're telling me you're one entity. And so you've got to start thinking as one entity. Forget this, This she does this and I do that. No, I'm asking how much are you able, out of the $185,000 that comes in, how much are you able to put aside for your family's financial independence?
5: I believe that we're probably putting away anywhere between 1700 and 2000 a month.
1: Okay, so if y'all can put aside 2000 a month, Okay, and you should be able to do a lot more than that. I'd like to see where the difference is. And if you come into my office for financial planning, we're going to start looking at living expenses and go backwards from there to see what, what's able to be accumulated. But you want to be accumulating the two of you outside of any retirement plans. That's my point. Okay. Outside, yours and hers. Forget whose is whose. I'm talking about... Now, there is a, there's a compelling reason where she may have to go ahead and and contribute... To a 401k because they're giving her a free gift called a a matching account. Okay, but yes, that's w- we both have that. Oh, well, you should stop right at that point. That's the, that, that's the point you stop. You don't contribute a, a dime past that match because that's free money. And anything out of that after that is going to hurt you later on because you'll pay double tax if you achieve financial independence earlier. That's my point. So okay, okay. So now when we come to that number, whatever it is. Let's say, Barry, it's $2,000 a month. I would like to see that we could get it up maybe to 3000 or maybe 4000 a month. Out of $185,000 and expenses are only $42,000, seems to me we ought to be able to get it more. But whatever we can get it to, that money needs to be going into non-retirement accounts like mutual fund. I mean, like, uh, like classic mutual funds outside of a Roth IRA, outside of anything that's tax-driven. You with me so far? All right. When we when we have that as our perspective, then we go to what kinds of mutual funds. We're not driven now by tax issues. We're driven by um, uh, management styles, accumulation goals. And what what's the safest, not the safest, what's the most probable way of having this money grow in. Uh, in a conservative pattern. And obviously the way you look at this in a mutual fund, you look at the manager's track record, right? Right. I like to see managers who have a track record of somewhere between six and 8% a year for the last 15 years who are still managing the fund. And when, and then I like to, again, I like to design the portfolio with the client and his wife in my office, I like to design the portfolio in categories of funds. All of them being having that override of this is the historical average that we have and if we still have an acceptable track record, then that's part of that 2000 or 3000 or 4000 a month that's going in.
3: Give us a call during the week at Lewis Financial Management, make an appointment to sit down face to face and discuss your your situation. The number at our office during the week is 919 That's 919
1: And you build from there. And with some tables and spreadsheets in front of us, we can say, all right, how many years will it be for us to achieve financial independence? And lo and behold, we're going to want to, as much as possible, draw from this portfolio before the other one, because the tax on this portfolio will be half the tax on the other one. Does that does that answer your question the way you wanted it? Yes. It's mutual funds. I,
5: I was still thinking uh, retirement fund, fund rather than uh, more of a...
1: Okay, I'm going to help you here. Remember to never confuse the chicken with the chicken house. In my illustration, if you go on my website, DougAndLinda.com, you'll see... I'm using a little video I produced there and you'll see chicken houses and chickens and so forth. I think of education and in educating clients about investments. I think of investments as chickens because chickens give off eggs. Eggs might be considered like your interest or your dividend of investments if the chicken is the investment. But, then, right I, yeah. but yeah, then I think of a chicken house. A chicken house is uh, something that protects the chicken from the wolf. The wolf in my illustration is the IRS that wants to eat your chickens. Okay? But don't hey, by ever by the way, we
2: used to have chickens.
1: <laughs> but don't ever kids con- were little. don't ever confuse <laughs> the chicken with the chicken house. That's my point. The okay. chicken house is just a container. A Roth IRA is a chicken house. It's not a chicken. A four oh one K is not a chicken. It's a chicken house. Those mutual funds inside, those are your chickens. And and that's that's where I'm trying to get you to come back to looking at chickens outside of any chicken houses and then now Let's see. How do we select our chickens?
5: Well, I should be able to save more because I am putting, you know, the amount, you know, basically the max amount I can put in tax deferred bird right now.
1: Oh, that's going to come back. You're gonna you're gonna hate yourself later on for doing that.
5: So I I will have to look into turning that around quickly.
1: I would say call my office during the week. Linda will schedule or Deborah will schedule an appointment to meet with me. And I will then go ahead and show you how to do it in a proper way according to where you're trying to get to. Uh, it's not hard once you see it that way. But you've got to go ahead and not be driven by tax. Uh, not not let the tax tail wag the dog. That's the big thing. Many people, most people make the same mistake again and again they keep thinking they're getting a free gift from the IRS and they are not at all. It's just a it's just a delay tactic.
5: Okay. All right? Good enough.
1: All Thank right. Thank you very much. Looking forward to meeting with you, Barry. All right. All right. Good night. Have now. a great
5: week.
3: Thanks for calling. All
1: right. Bye bye.
3: So this is Deborah Lewis,
1: Certified Financial
3: Planner of Lewis Financial Management. Call me this week. Let's sit down and discuss your situation. I'd love to hear from you. It's 919-872-7000. 919-872-7000.
2: Doug, you know, I saw another very, very interesting article um, on how to build your financial dream team (laughs) and it said that if you're tired of doing it yourself or your pros aren't performing up to snuff then it may be time for a change and if you face a setback this year like a divorce death of a spouse or a job loss then you especially want a team that is looking out for you in your best interests did you see that article
1: I did see the article. I didn't read the whole thing, but I liked the approach that there needs to be uh, a, a financial team that's looking out for you. Who's looking out for you? And there's so much confusion out there, Linda. Uh, really, there is. There is a. It's it's almost essential. You know, you need a good estate lawyer, for instance, and of course you need a good accountant because a good accountant, you know, should be looking out for scenarios in the future with regard to tax law changes. And obviously, you got to have a good financial advisor who's going to take into account how you feel about the risks in the investment world in the aftermath of what happened in 2008 and 2009 and still be able to get a modest or comfortable growth to the portfolio. So building the team composed of the financial, the financial planner, financial advisor, the certified public accountant, and the attorney, I think, is, of course, crucial.
2: You know, it amazes me. There are some folks that, that uh, I have spoken to at the office that call in, some of our listeners. And it's amazing how so many folks have lived a lifetime and haven't addressed their estate planning. They don't have wills. And others... Uh, are in a real crisis because they need a lot of advice in preparing for their taxes, or they've gotten another uh, extension instead of doing it on time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I agree with uh, you know what was said in this article. And Doug, as far as choosing a financial planner, just about anyone can hang a shingle and offer financial advice with fairly little training or experience. is that true?
1: It is, and it's sad to say that a lot of the shingles that are hung out there are by people who have very little training or experience and are just salespeople.
2: Yeah The, the, the article uh, went on to say that insurance salespeople, stockbrokers, accountants, and even lawyers might call themselves financial advisors, but under your specific needs, they might not fall under the, their area of expertise. In addition, even fancy credentials might not translate into great work.
1: Well, I think it's important to look at those credentials, Linda. I mean, you have to understand what are the differences. Now, some credentials do matter. Call me, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner
3: at Lewis Financial Management, 919-872-7000. Nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. 7000
1: For example, certified financial planner, CFP. That's a very important educational degree. And certified public accountant, CPA. That's another one. And these two designations require extensive coursework. And those that carry those designations have passed many hours of examinations and of exams. Uh. They also require work experience and additional continuing education each year. But if you compare the certified financial planner to maybe a stockbroker, well, the stockbroker, he only needs to have studied to get a license to sell investments, to sell securities, and then it's even worse, many of these, uh, I don't want to call them phony designations, but they certainly have been attacked by the SEC in the past year. Uh, there are many other designations, such as the Master Financial Planner and the Certified Retirement Financial Planner and the Chartered Senior Financial Planner. I mean, these require... These are questionable. Yeah, these are, some, some of these... Were, credentials. Were, yeah, they're weekend study courses where you go to a seminar, you have a free dinner, and uh, you now have a new designation. So... Uh, That's also important to understand that. Well, Doug,
2: registered investment advisors and CPAs and lawyers, those who are paid to give investment or other advice, have a fiduciary obligation.
1: What does that mean? Yeah, that is a big dividing line, this matter of fiduciary obligation. It's a legal requirement to put the interest of the client in front of the advisor, then, in other words, they're required by law to think of you first. On the other hand, stockbrokers and other advisors that are not fiduciaries, they only have an obligation to recommend options and investments that are suitable for you, which is far less serious. So, this matter of fiduciary is quite crucial. Uh, and 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 I guess the question comes down to: What do you think you need if 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 you're the individual out there who feels that financial talk? seems like a language beamed down from some other planet, or you want to uh, try and figure out what are they talking about, then what you want to go see is not a stockbroker. You want to see someone who has a fiduciary responsibility or obligation to put your interest first. And there's the d- the dividing line right there. But you know, Lynn, when you go ahead and start to do your search to put together this financial dream team, you need to have Some questions, as you always tell our listeners, have questions.
3: If you'd like further information, call us at 919-872-7000 or go to our website,
2: DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com. And one of those questions is, what services do you provide? If you're going to meet with a financial planner in the new year or you've decided that, you know, whoever's been managing your, your money uh, for the last uh, decade isn't someone you're happy with, or then you should ask, what services do you provide? And a good financial planner will review your entire financial life, including your current investments, your insurance policies, and your work benefits. That person should help you budget, manage debt, plan for both death and taxes, and also find the right insurance as well as help you with your investments.
1: Once you've gotten clear on what are the services that this person provides, then you come down, or you should come down, to the question of, well, how do you charge? Do you charge by the hour? Those fiduciaries that charge by the hour, those, uh, those individuals such as myself, uh, who are fiduciaries. Uh, some charge by the hour. I know the article pointed to hourly rates that went anywhere from 100 to $300 an hour. Others charge an annual flat fee. Uh, but the real thing is to get clear on the charges. And if you only need occasional advice, then you may want to pay by the hour. Uh, on the other hand, if you think you might be wanting to go back periodically and ask a lot of questions, maybe a flat fee is what you're looking for. But I think once you get to that point of charging, the most crucial question to ask is, do I have to sign a power of attorney giving you control over my money? And that is a discretionary account, isn't it? It's a discretionary account. It is a fiduciary responsibility, but that's a money manager. And you need to understand whether you want a money manager which is someone that you sign a power of attorney over to, and they will buy and sell on your behalf, or do you want a financial planner who will be giving you advice? In and other as words, they're,
2: As they're buying and selling for you, there's usually a fee attached,
1: right? Well, maybe yes, maybe no, Linda. Most of those that are doing the buy and selling, they have their story that says uh, you will sign a power of attorney over to me, I'll buy and sell on your behalf, but I won't be charging any commissions. I'll charge you what's called a percent of your assets that are under my management. That's called AUMs. Okay. Uh, That arrangement is a power of attorney which gives control to the investment advisor. I personally don't like that arrangement because I don't think you should ever give up control, but it is the most popular form out there right now. And you should make sure that you understand, will you be signing a power of attorney giving control over your money? And if
3: you need advice, call me during the week, 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000.
1: So the financial dream team of putting it together, I think is smart, making sure you understand who is a fiduciary, how he's going to charge or how she's going to charge you. You should be asking questions like, how often will we meet? I uh, will be meeting on a regular basis. Uh, how often are the, uh, the, uh, the consultations that we will be having? You should ask questions. Have you ever been disciplined by a professional organization? You should ask questions like, what's the management style that you prefer? If it's an investment advisor.
2: Some advisors do an annual review and others do it every six months, right?
1: Correct. In any case, the bottom line is you need to feel comfortable. You need to feel comfortable with the advisor. No one else cares as much about your finances as you do. And if you feel like the advisor is condescending or speaks in a language you don't understand, uh, then you need to get somebody else. Now, that's for the financial planner. For the CPA, the accountant, the biggest question I would say is, will you work with my financial planner? Because a lot of times you get into this turf competition and that's not good when you have professionals that are arguing amongst each other
2: because you you want to know will they be able to strategize concerning your taxes and so it's it's uh necessary that there be the proper communication between your tax advisor and your financial advisor
1: so we got two people on the team so far
2: The financial advisor. The financial
1: planner, the financial advisor himself. And and your accountant. And the CPA. The third person on the team would be...
2: Your lawyer, your attorney. That's right. Make sure that you get your estate documents reviewed, uh, revised, updated, especially if you've had uh, a divorce or the death of a spouse. And write down your questions because certainly if you go to your attorney... They'll be charging you a fee as well.
1: Well, I like to recommend to clients of ours that make sure the attorney will work with your financial planner in our office. We actually have the attorneys come into our office to work with the client. So we're there to make sure there's no miscommunication. And as far as checking out the lawyer's credentials... You can go to an, uh, a, a, a website called Martindale hubble Martindale-hubble has been around for uh, decades and decades, and they evaluate the history of uh, the credentials of attorneys. So that's it as far as the team, the the financial dream team. I think it should be done. Let's get it done.
2: And if you'd like to call Lewis Financial Management, our phone number is 919-872-7000. That is USA 7000. All right, Doug, there was another very interesting article I saw in the Wall Street Journal. And it, it had to do with how to make your 401k plan work harder.
1: Did you see that? Well... I think I did. I'm not sure, but I know that the problem with 401ks is uh, more and more evident every year. The first thing that most people need to do with regard to making their 401k work harder is to take control because you need to take a look at the investment choices that are available to you, and a lot of times it's shockingly poor what's available. There should be, at a minimum, a handful of low-cost domestic and international stock and bond mutual funds available to you. And if the plan doesn't offer those, then you ought to talk to the people in charge at your employer and insist that they move to a better plan. Uh, it, it is really sad, but a lot of them don't. And when they don't offer a good selection, unfortunately, when they come to see us, I see Their money has been sitting in some sort of low-yielding, stable value fund or a target date fund, which is ostensibly designed for someone your age, which, I mean, I think those are sometimes a real joke. I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with these target date funds, but... That doesn't mean that you can rely on them either.
2: Isn't it also important to consider the alternatives that are available to you in your 401k, such as uh, understanding if your company makes matching contributions? And if so, how much will they match? And should you go to the match or to the max,
1: right? (laughs) (laughs) Right, Lynn. There's no
2: good reason for missing out on a good company match.
1: That's true. That's true. I mean, you have to understand that if the company is giving you a matching dollar, then you need to get those free dollars because you don't want to miss out on free money. But once you go and make the decision, I'm going to accumulate more than the company is matching then you better be careful what you're doing because at that point, it's where are the investment options available for me inside this 401k? And this is where I get very hesitant about letting the tax tail wag the dog. Anyway, you need to take control of what are the investments and what's the match about the 401k. And then the second thing is, to cut the cost of your 401k.
3: You're listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Call to make an appointment with Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner of Lewis Financial Management. Call 919-872-7000 or visit our website, dougandlinda.com.
1: A lot of the mutual funds that I see in 401ks are far too mediocre. They've got high fees inside of them and that just soaks up your investments. And you need to be a little more careful about what are the funds that are there. Now, there are some managed mutual funds that are definitely worth their money, but a lot of them just don't find their way into 401k plans, and maybe that's where you should go to index funds. But you shouldn't be just by the name of a fund. You want to check the cost of those funds in the 401k. Doug,
2: also... um a lot of folks keep most of their stock market investments in the U.S. and in four hundred and one k's in the four hundred and one k. So, what is your, uh, what did what I, what did it reference regarding I, I, that?
1: I personally think that people who do that are selling themselves short by investing too much in U.S.A. funds in in American funds in 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 funds that are based in the U.S. because. Uh, There are some really good overseas international opportunities. Many 401k plans, unfortunately go light on international investment options. And the real reason is simply the incompetence uh, or maybe complacency of the plan sponsors. But if there are international opportunities, then you ought to check them out and see how, uh, how they might fit into the portfolio. On the other hand, I, you do need to look and see what are the options. Do we have a spread of of uh, bond funds and stock funds and so forth? It's just crazy that most 401k plans offer a very limited range of investment options. And... There is usually not usually there's sometimes when I study these plan options that are available to clients that come to see us. Sometimes I see there's a special window that they can check off to where they can actually get access to all funds out there that they never even saw was 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 available to them. So now might be a good time to visit a certified financial planner and review your 401k to make it work harder.
2: Yeah, ask, uh, write down your questions and speak to your human resources folks and make sure that, uh, uh, if you're not contributing to the plan, you want to be contributing if it's something that you can do and, uh, write down any questions and call us. At Lewis Financial Management, if you have any questions or if you'd like to set up an appointment where we can help you review your 401k plan and what choices might be suitable for you, not only in your retirement plan, but also on the personal uh, portfolio as well. And if you'd like to call us at the office in Raleigh at Lewis Financial Management, our number is 919-872-7000. That is USA 7000.
1: 7000- okay, Lee, this is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner. How can I help you this evening?
0: Uh, good evening. I have a question about selling investment property. All right. Um, I've got a condominium uh, that we bought for uh, rental investment property. Right. And if I sell it, is there any way to shelter that?
1: Do you owe any mortgage on it? Yes. Do you owe any debt on it? Yes. Is there a way to sell it and avoid the capital gains tax? Right. The answer to that question is yes, if you set up a charitable remainder unit trust before you have any written agreement between you and any buyer. I see. You then And you also must release yourself of any mortgage. So you got to pay off that mortgage, and then you transfer this property or you give this property to a charitable trust. You remain the trustee of that trust. So that you are basically giving it from your right pocket to your left pocket. You are giving it away from yourself as the individual owner to yourself as trustee for a charitable trust. Then the trust sells it to your buyer and pays no capital gains tax. The reason the trust can do that is because you've agreed in your trust document that after you and your wife die, what's left in that trust will go to a charity. That's but you must make sure that there is no mortgage because you can't transfer it into the trust with a mortgage on it. Okay.
2: And if you need any uh, further information, give us a call at the office here in Raleigh at eight seven two seven thousand. That's USA 7000.
1: Thank you very much for your help. Thank you for calling, Lee.